This is the Rundown. Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Well, we are officially less than 24 hours away now from tip-off game one of the NBA Finals. Phoenix Suns, Milwaukee Bucks, downtown Phoenix, Arizona. Luke Lipinski doing the morning show this week, so I am pinch-hitting tonight here on The Rundown. My name is Tim Ring, Jesse Morrison behind the glass, Sarah Cazell hanging out for just a little bit before she goes and parties like she always does on a Monday night. Hope you had a great 4th of July weekend, everybody. Did you guys have a good 4th of July weekend? I went to the D-backs game on Saturday. They lost, of course, and then uh, saw some fireworks, but it was good. (laughs) There you go. I hope everybody listening had a good holiday weekend as well, and now everybody's refocused now on the NBA Finals, of course. You know know the numbers already because you've been hearing them for such a long time. The Suns back in the Finals for the first time in 28 years, 1993, the last time Phoenix played for an NBA championship. Of course, in 1993, they ran into Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, who completed their three-peat in in six games. Suns, by the way, lost their first two games at home in that series. That can't happen again this time around against the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll talk more about that uh, in just a little bit. You know, for a big sector of Suns fans, uh, not a lot remember 1993. I'm talking about the under 30 Suns crowd, but an even larger sector of Milwaukee Bucks fans do not remember the last time the Bucks were in the NBA Finals. You have to go back all the way to 1974 when the Bucks played in the Finals. They lost that series. Phoenix, though, does not have an NBA championship on its record. The Bucks, however, do. It came back in 1971, of course, a cool 50 years ago. So not a lot of people in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area remember the Bucks winning the championship behind Lou Alcindor, who, by the way, one day after winning that championship in 1971, officially changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's how long ago it was when the Bucks won the title. Lou Alcindor was playing center uh, for Milwaukee. Also, back in those times, guys, the NBA was nowhere near what it is today. If you are old enough to remember the Bucks in the finals in the 70s, I mean, the games, a lot of them were not even on live TV. So, point being, this is a huge moment in the life of a Bucks fan and certainly a Suns fan as well. And I think a great look for the for the NBA as a whole. And we're going to get into that over the next uh, two hours as well. Jesse, real quick, did you personally have a, you know, since Wednesday night, have an, oh my goodness, the Suns are in the finals moment that it really hits you when it hits you and what that was like? Did you have one of those? Yes, yeah, so I produced the uh, the Suns games with Jeff Darge and John Bloom does the post game okay. shows. Obviously, the Suns closed it out on the road, so JB was back in here with us um, in the studio. And you know, Jeff and JB are diehard Suns guys, and just their look on their face and just just their their level of shock that at the end of the game, game six against the Clippers was just like, like it was the happiest I've ever seen two people. And I've been to multiple weddings. Yeah, well, you know what? It's it's a feeling that you just can't put into words until it happens. Now, you know, a lot of Suns fans were alive in 1993, so, you know, it's it, it's not a new thing. But, you know, even when I grew up in Chicago, the Bulls had such a struggle 
uh, in the 70s and early 80s. Jordan comes around, and then it, it was a struggle to get by the Celtics, to get by the Pistons. You know, they never got past the Celtics. And that feeling in 1991 when they finally vanquished the Pistons and went to the finals, it was unlike it was on par with you know the bears winning the super bowl in chicago and the bulls went to five more finals after that but i'm telling you nothing compared to the feeling in the city back in 1991 when it finally happened for the first time. Speaking of those 1991 finals, coming up uh, in just about 10 minutes, really happy to have Scott Williams join us tonight on the show. Scott not only has three championship rings, so he can speak from experience in terms of what it takes to win that sucker, but also Scott played for the Suns, he played for the Bucks. he was a broadcaster for the Suns, he was a broadcaster for the Bucks. And he actually spent some time as an assistant coach uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks as well. So he's got a real unique experience with both franchises from both sides and has not one, not two, but three championship rings. So his perspective will be welcome. We're going to visit with Scott Williams uh, coming up uh, at 6.15 here tonight on the rundown. Also later in the show, Kellen Olson uh, will join us. Kellen, of course, our basketball insider. So much to talk about when you get knee-deep into this series. You know, X's and O's, Y's, and, you know, the impact of having Giannis or not having Giannis and how that will play out this series. Really interested to hear what Kellen will say about how the Suns schematically are preparing for the Bucks with Giannis and preparing for the Bucks without Giannis because they're a very different team with or without him. And right now it is a giant question mark whether Giannis is going to play. I mean, look, I know Kawhi Leonard was pretty much announced that he'd not play prior to each and every game. The Clippers never said he was out for the series, but those who covered the Clippers and you read the tea leaves, it was fairly obvious Kawhi Leonard wasn't going to come back. It's a different story with Giannis right now. You know, nobody, and I don't think Giannis himself, knows whether or not he can even play in game one. And then after that, he he could miss the entire series. He could play in one or two games. He could be on the floor beginning tomorrow night and play every game in the series. So that's a great unknown right now uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, but also the Phoenix Suns. How are you going to schematically attack this team if Giannis is in the lineup or if he is not? Now, as for the Suns, they met the media today. A lot of guys stepped up and hit the mic, including Chris Paul. I thought this was interesting. Uh, our good friend Mark Spears from ESPN uh, talked to Chris Paul, asked him a question. I know Mark was looking for Paul to be reflective, introspective, talking about what finally it means to him to finally be in the finals. How different is a is this experience for Chris Paul? What's he feeling? What's he going through? Mark Spears asked the question. Chris Paul gave him this. Um, it's different. Obviously, having practice here, not at the um, practice facility, um, but it's still basketball. I think we all locked into, you know, the goal at hand and not much, just, I don't know. It's weird. No games being on. I usually watch games every day. So that's probably the part that sucks. That's probably the part that sucks the Keep most. Going here. I'd rather be playing than not. Uh, but other than that, just life. Any messages or calls or that meant, meant something to you? Um, probably, I don't know. I, I'm usually on the phone with my kids, uh, you know, day in and day out, seeing what they got going on and just getting ready, you know, practicing body work, all that different type of stuff. So 
<laughs> All right. Now, you know, Chris Paul's a veteran. He's been around the block. He knew exactly what Mark Spears was looking for. You know, poor Mark Spears is trying to write the Chris Paul finally makes the finals story for ESPN. And Chris Paul's given him, well, we practiced in the arena today instead of the practice facility. That was different. And uh, there's no games on TV. And that's different. I like to watch games. And yeah, you know, I talk to my kids. I mean, none of that stuff is what Mark was looking for. You know, I'm sure Mark will find a way to craft a, a great story as he always does. But I thought that was interesting, Jesse. You know, we were laughing about that before the show. For some reason, for whatever reason, Chris Paul did not want to wax poetically about what it meant to get to the finals. And I can only think psychologically, Chris Paul does not want the mindset that the mission has been accomplished. And the mission hasn't been accomplished, so I'm not going to talk about the mission being accomplished accomplished, and waxing poetically about finally making the finals because I still have work to do. What do you think? My, my thought on that was that he just had something else on his mind. <laughs> like, he was just thinking about something else and just, like, was kind of caught off guard and was just like, uh, so, yeah, yeah he, no Chris, games on. Chris Paul knew what Mark Spears was getting at. There's no question about it, though. You know, listen, that's just the – Chris Paul's a savvy veteran on the court, off the court. He chose to go that direction. I thought that was kind of neat. Devin Booker, meantime, uh, stepped up to the mic. And Booker, you know, remember, this is so remarkable. Uh, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, the Bucks have had a journey to get here through the finals. You know, they had the best record in the NBA uh, last year and the year before. And they kind of, you know, they knocked down the door, fell short, and now finally got here. You know, I talked about the Bulls winning those championships. They were knocking on the door year by year, finally trying to, to get to that to that point. The Suns just hit the express elevator up to the penthouse. I mean, they go 10 years without making the playoffs. Suddenly, they're in the finals. So now you have a core group in Bridges and Booker and and Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton that have never played in the playoffs prior to this year. They're now in the NBA finals. That just doesn't happen all that often. Jay Crowder has finals experience, but Chris Paul doesn't even have finals experience. So Devin Booker talking about the learning experience uh, he's undergone here since the playoffs began and how vital it's been in getting him prepared to now face the ultimate challenge in the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Finals. I mean, we're not we're not here to, you know, justify what we're doing to anybody else for real. I mean, we've we've had goals for this group and and aspirations for this group since since day 1. And you know, we keep those and in home for that reason and we compete against each other and we're on the constant pursuit to get better every day and even during the regular season simple play might go by and we stress it we stress it this can't happen I know it doesn't matter right now but later down the line it can come back and get you and we don't want that to happen so just the focus for everybody you know to be locked in from top to bottom not just the guys that are getting major minutes right now, you know, one through 15, 16 with the coaching staff, just locked in at all levels, preparing for this opportunity right here. Yeah. And I I don't think there's any doubt about it. The game five loss to the Clippers, I think was a huge learning experience for the Phoenix Suns. Everybody remembers that game, of course, last week when the coronation was expected and they were up three, one in the series. And, you know, Monty said it after the game, you know, we kind of felt like all we had to do was show up, flip the lights on, roll the ball out, and we're going to take the game and win it and move on to the NBA Finals. And I think this young Suns core, 
you know, learned a valuable lesson that that is not the case uh, when you are deep into the NBA playoffs. The Bucks, with or without Giannis, are formidable. There's no question about it. They have some outstanding players in Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and, of course, Brooke Lopez. So with or without Giannis, the, the Suns, no games off. You know, and, and, and Jude LaCava filling in. Uh, for Gambo today, made this point succinctly, and I wholeheartedly agree. You can't have an outing again like you had in Game 5 against the Clippers. If you have a chance to step on a team's throat in the Bucks and go up 3-1 or close out a series in Game 5, by God, you got to do it. Don't let that team have more life. Plus, real quick before we hit the break, the longer this series goes, if Giannis is out early, you know, there's starting to be two games between Games 3 and 4 and two and three and four and five, uh, you're, you're leaving the door open for Giannis to get healthier uh, and come back and be, be the, you know, the former MVP that he is. All right. On the other side of the break, happy to talk Suns and Bucks with a guy, as I mentioned, who played for both teams, broadcasted for both teams, coached for the Bucks. Oh, and also has three championship rings himself. Scott Williams on the rundown next. Tim Ring in for Luke Lipinski, Arizona Sports, 98.7. Seven FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports App. Suns Finals coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Talking NBA Finals on the Rundown. All right, we're back on the Rundown. Monday, July fifth, six eighteen. Tim Ringing for Luke Lipinski. We are on the eve of the NBA Finals Game One. The Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, I was thinking earlier today who I could have on the show tonight that could really, you know, impart some unique perspective on this series. And it dawned on me, one of my real good friends played for the Suns, played for the Bucks, <laughs> coached for the Bucks, was a broadcaster for the Suns, was a broadcaster for the Bucks, and he also won three world championships with Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls. Scott Williams, you know that guy? You sound familiar? <laughs> What's going on, Tim? Hey, you actually, I thanks for bringing me out like that. That was that was awesome. But little known to most people is I actually coached as an assistant coach for the Suns under the Mike D'Antoni era for one day. One day. Well, I then everybody forgive me for getting that one wrong. How did you get fired? How did you get fired after one day, Scott? What happened? <laughs> well, I, actually, I decided coaching for me at the time when I still wanted to play because I was playing for the team when I when I decided that uh, they were going to put me on the on the injured reserve list okay. for the remainder of the season and ask me if I wanted to be a coach. And I said yes, having not really thought about it through. I was on my 14th year, so I knew I was close to the end and I did want to coach, but I never wanted to look back uh, and think I still could have played a little longer and I still had the desire to play. And I asked for my release to see if I would get picked up by another team. And sure enough, I got picked up by the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, there you go. So that's kind of how that my one year continued last. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hey, listen. The, shortest, the shortest coaching gig in the history of the league. Yeah, n- no kidding. All right. Well, listen, before we kind of get into the weeds on this series, Scott, let me just, you know, as a guy who, you know, played a decade and a half in the league and, you know, won some championships and you remain a fan of the league. 
I, for one, listen, I get it. There's something about LeBron and Steph and KD and that marquee star power being in the finals, and we've seen that over the past 30 years. You know, usually a megawatt star is in the finals. Now, I know Giannis, you know, is kind of in that in that rarefied air now, but for me, just, I, I use the term new blood, you know, just to see the Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA finals, you know, when you know, candidly, there are a lot of seasons where you can, with a Sharpie, pencil in at least one of the teams in the finals in October. And to get to get the new blood like the Suns and the Bucks, I think it's good for the game. I think it's good for the league. And I think it's obviously great for both fan bases. What say you? I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I am very ecstatic for both of these franchises. I, like I said, like you said, I had so many ties to them and so many different stints. Uh, over the course of my 15-year career and uh, 24 years associated with the NBA as a broadcaster and coach, uh, I got to know fans in both cities. The organizations are first class. You know, Jerry, Jerry Colangelo brought me into Phoenix uh, after a year, uh, a terrible year in Denver. Where I was kind of burnt out of basketball, rejuvenating me about basketball. Uh, you know, playing with guys like Hardaway and Marbury and Marion and Stoudemire uh, on those teams that, you know, we finished the A seed and took the, the, the number one seed, the Spurs, to, you know, six games in the first round and stunned them with a couple baskets late in ball games for upsets. And my time in Milwaukee with Ray Allen and Glenn Robinson and Timmy Thomas and Sam mm-hmm. Cassell, uh, you know, going to the Eastern Conference Final and, and being one game away from getting to the NBA Finals in 2001 with that squad and the way that Bradley Senior used to rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, my fondest moments in the NBA, uh, some of them, came with both the Suns and the Bucks, and I couldn't be happier than both fan bases. You know, I wish Giannis was healthy to give it that star power. I don't know how effective he's going to be or if even he's going to be played. I haven't looked at some of the reports that have come out about whether or not he's going to be able to give him anything from that hyperextended knee. Uh, but I'm hoping for a long series uh, that really gets an opportunity for all these players to showcase what they can do. And I know I'm long-winded, but can I just add of how course. happy the basketball community is for Chris Paul? I mean, guy's been class his entire basketball career, 14, 15 years, 16, excuse me, 16 years now in his first trip to the NBA Finals. And I mean, if you didn't know him from basketball, you probably knew him from a State Farm commercials <laughs> yes. that are like are epic as well. So he just kind of does it all. I'm very excited for him to be able to compete on the NBA's greatest stage. Scott, the eve before Game One. Now, I mean, I know you played in a few of these finals, but for most of these players playing tomorrow night, you know, Jay Crowder was here just last year, uh, but you know. Not a lot of finals experience. Uh, finals experience on both rosters. So take me back to when you guys were in that position, right before Game One of the '91 Finals against the Lakers. The Bulls were actually at home. The Bulls and I was at the game. The Bulls actually lost Game yeah. One to the Lakers at home. Take me through. Take take me through. Yeah, take me through the nerves. What you guys were thinking yeah. the day before, and maybe the mistakes you made in game one that allowed Magic and Vlade to take that one nothing series lead and what you would, you know, advise the Suns to, to combat that? Well, it's human nature. It's hard, it's hard to say how everybody's going to handle it, but I know as a collective group, 
guys were tight in Chicago. It was one thing to get past the Pistons that had knocked them out of, the, out of the Eastern Conference Finals three years in a row. It was another thing to all of a sudden get that relief of that off your back but now I say, okay, we got to play Magic Johnson, the Los yeah. Angeles Lakers. I mean, this was, you know, Magic and, and Bird were the class of the NBA for what seemed like a decade. They were one or two, either either one team or the other, or both of them were in the NBA Finals. And to go up against them for me, especially being a Los Angeles kid growing up, a Laker fan, I was overwhelmed by the moment. Uh, and I think a lot of the guys on the team were as well. We did not play the same sort of basketball. Uh, that we had been playing against the Sixers uh, and the uh, Pistons in that game one. And it took us, you know, a, a good three quarters to calm down and to kind of make a game out of it. And then, of course, Sam Perkins hits a three-pointer in the corner and we lose by a you know, point. So after, after we settled down, it was lights out for the Lakers. We go on and went four straight. But the nerves had gotten the best of us. So that's the biggest thing. How much rest are you going to get? How much game plan are you going Go go on, and I know that they had a little extra time uh, to sit and wait for the Eastern Conference Finals yeah. to wrap up. You know, does that rust appear, or is it rest? I mean, I, I don't know how they'll handle it. You know, Monty Williams, I meant to give him a lot of credit right at the opening, uh, has done a fantastic job. Uh, Deion, especially Mark Bryant developing DeAndre Ayton, uh, the way he has developed in these playoffs, shoot nearly 70%. I mean, the list goes on and on and all the contributions you're getting. You know, Booker goes for 40 points in a game. Uh, so they're all playing well. I love this team, but can they handle the pressure of the NBA Finals media day, ticket requests, fans going crazy, um, all the other outside media that's coming from across the country and the globe, and that everybody wants a piece of them. It's all the distraction yeah. at home. Can they settle down in that first quarter, first half, and then play Suns basketball? Having said all that, Scott, and knowing that you did lose a game one and went on to win four straight to win the series, would is it safe to say that Suns fans maybe should not put a ton of importance on game one, or am I being naive? I mean, you know, a lot of times people will say, oh, game one is huge, given what's going on. <laughs> I'm not sure that's the case maybe tomorrow night. Well, it, it's it's big to get off to a start. You'd much rather be up one nothing, regardless of how you played. Uh, but you can't worry about losing game one. That was the biggest thing for us is we realized we didn't play our best basketball. So it wasn't like we played our best basketball and they just came in and throttled us. I mean, we played horrible basketball and it took a miracle shot from you know from Sam Perkins, a Carolina guy by the way, to to, <laughs> to, to, to knock us out. Uh, you know, in that first that first game. So yes, it's important. More importantly is how you're playing and how you react in game adjustments, game to game adjustments. Um, you know, we switched Pippen on to magic Johnson and made a big difference in that series of probably the great, one of the greatest uh, you know, series adjustments in the NBA finals history was Phil Jackson's move to put Scotty Pippen on, on magic Johnson really hounded it, made him work hard when he had to log so many minutes because in, in all honesty, I mean, they didn't have Byron Scott. They didn't have James Worthy. So they were banged up a little bit. He was their you know, biggest star, and he didn't have all of his weapons. So oh, so it was tainted. It was, it was tainted. James Worthy and Byron Scott didn't play. It was tainted. That's what the Suns fans have been hearing all playoff oh, long. Yeah, right, I, I yeah, yeah, nonsense. Any, 
Right. I don't think anybody <laughs> will ever say the the, Lake, the Bulls championship was tainted. No, I don't. Any stretch of I don't think so either. But I think that anybody <laughs> that tries to to paint this NBA Finals as a tainted Finals uh, doesn't know basketball and how hard these teams have uh, both worked to get to to this. Uh, you know, this opportunity. So, yep. you know, that's, you know, a lot of stuff from fans and the media. And I think a lot of them are, are pissed because like you say, that it's not the golden state warriors. It's, it wasn't Brooklyn who they thought were going to come out of, out of the East. Cause they, you know, they had, they got banked up. So they're a little disappointed that the guys that they followed, maybe even put some money in Vegas aren't <laughs> there. So uh, I, I want the Suns fans to enjoy this. I want the players and the organization um, you know, James, jo- James Jones, James Jones has just done a tremendous job of, of acquiring talent. I mean, key acquisition CP three. And I knew he was going to be the point guard Devin Booker needed. Yep. I did not think he was going to be no. as electric uh, and as fabulous as he was. I mean, who, who could have thought with no. after 16 years right. that he would come in in year one and do this uh, just a testament to his passion and desire to want to get all the way to the, yeah, you know, the top of the mountain. Right, Scott. I mean, the, when when Chris Paul came, the question was, can he get them to the playoffs? Not can he win them a right. title. So this right. is before I let you get. We're up against the break, Scott. But I'm not letting you get out of here without a prediction. You can give something different on Milwaukee radio, but go ahead and give us your prediction now. <laughs> Suns and what, Scott? <laughs> you are. I am not. I love you, my friend, but you are not putting me in that box today. <laughs> I will. I will make a prediction tomorrow on my Twitter handle, so you will have. Have to come back there at Scott Will Forty Two. I went to my facility today. I pulled out my old Suns jersey from twenty years ago, and my old Bucks jersey from well, my Suns jersey I think was from from eighteen years ago. My Bucks jersey from twenty years ago, and I am going to predict who's going to win Game One on my. On my Twitter handle. All right, there you go. Maybe hey, I'll pick up a few new followers. Wait, wait, wait to pub your Twitter handle. Twitter handle. I've been able to do. I've been able to do this from the, from my couch. You know, I got on an old T-shirt, some shorts. I'm watching the reruns of Mash. I tell you what, I want all fancy for television, buddy. You must be loving this gig you got. I want you right. I want you to wear those jerseys and take a picture of yourself on on Twitter. Oh, there you go. Okay. All right, they they still hey, listen, fit. It's, it's All right. not going to be pretty. It's not going to look like I looked back when I was 245 pounds running for those squads, but I'm going to put it on. I may have to crop out the, crop it up a little bit, you know, to uh, crop out the love handles, but I'm going to put it on. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you Photoshop that sucker. All right, Scotty, thanks so much. I appreciate it. It's like those painted jobs those gals do for the Sports Illustrated yeah, commercial. You, uh, sports, uh, sport, uh, you, swimsuit uh, edition. That's right. You Kardashian the hell out of those photos. Scott Williams, appreciate your time. Former son, former Buck, former Suns coach, former Bucks coach, former broadcaster well, for both teams. in a week after, the, after game four, game five. 100%. Scott Williams, appreciate your time. Enjoy the finals, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. All right, guys. Coming up, Vegas odds heading into the series in game one tomorrow. Plus a quick look back at the two regular season meetings between the Bucks and Suns. Not a whole lot of defense, so that's a good thing. It's the Rundown, Arizona Sports. The home of the Suns run to the championship. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns finals coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Talking NBA finals on the Rundown. Here comes the sun. 
Yep, 6.34 on a Monday night back on the rundown. Tim Ring in for Luke Lipinski. Here come the Suns is right. Courtesy the Beatles there. Uh, Suns and Bucks, we are certainly less than 24 hours away now uh, here at the 6.34 mark. Uh, Tip-off tomorrow, 6 o'clock on ABC 15 television. I'll be a part of their post-game coverage tomorrow night. And, of course, on radio, you can hear the game right here on Arizona Sports 98.7. Our coverage begins uh, at 5.30 with the Suns pregame show. John Bloom will be hosting that one. Bloomer was supposed to be in Hawaii on vacation, but he cut that vacation short uh, to get back for game one. Uh, and I don't blame him one bit. Bloomer has been waiting for this, uh, as has Al McCoy and Eddie Johnson and Ann Myers-Drysdale and Tim Kempton for a very, very long time. Hawaii will always be there for the Bloom family. The NBA Finals, you never know if the Suns are going to get back. So Bloomer is going to be back for the halftime and postgame show tomorrow, uh, game one again of the NBA Finals. Our coverage begins right here on Arizona Sports 98.7 at 5.30. Storyline going into the game and the series uh, tomorrow, it does not impact anything, but interesting nonetheless is that Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer is from Arizona, and he grew up a Suns fan. Makes no bones about it. He said, you know, he remembers growing up in his backyard. His dad was teaching him Paul Westfall moves, Walter Davis moves, double A, Alvin Adams, as Budenholzer called it. Uh, And then also, uh, Budenholzer grew up listening to Al McCoy call Suns games uh, on the radio. So a bit of an emotional tie for Budenholzer as he leads his Milwaukee Bucks against his childhood team, the Phoenix Suns, in the 2021 NBA playoffs. Out in Vegas, if you're a Suns fan, you got to feel pretty good because the Sharps and the Wise Guys feel that the Suns are going to win the series. Suns coming in right now at minus 195 to win the series. Bucks at plus 170. Uh, the Suns are favored in game one. Uh, by five and a half points. Uh, right now, the favorite to uh, see the series end in a number of games wise. Uh, right now, Suns in five at plus 385. I won't get into the gambling numbers, but I think it just goes to show you that the people that make the numbers in Las Vegas, and as you know, they're awfully good, uh, believe that the Phoenix Suns are going to win this series. Uh, and I understand that they make betting lines to try to b- drive up uh, as much betting as possible, but Suns are favored nonetheless in Las Vegas. All right. Uh, finals experience for both teams. I touched on it earlier. Not a whole lot. Jay Crowder for the Suns was here last year, uh, but for the Suns, you know, their core of Booker and Bridges and Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton, it's their first playoff, so obviously it's their first finals, and Chris Paul uh, in the finals for the first time in his long uh, Hall of Fame 16-year career. For the Bucks, you know, they fell short after having the best record in the NBA uh, three years ago and last two years ago and last year, and now they are getting to the finals for the first time. Uh, Giannis uh, may play in Game 1, may miss the entire series. Nobody knows right now the state of Giannis, including, I think, Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. They are really hoping that by game time tomorrow, uh, he can get out there uh, and give it a shot. Now, uh, Monty Williams, of course, with the young team, met the media today trying to manage emotions, emotions that Scott Williams just eloquently spoke about when a team goes into their first finals game uh, on the eve of their first finals. The Bulls with Scott Williams uh, played a veteran Laker team and lost game one. Uh, They were at home, so Monty Williams trying to manage emotions and all the peripheral 
activity that surrounds a team when they are in the NBA Finals. Here's what Monty had to say today about trying to keep his team on the level. I mean, we're not we're not here to you know just. Sounds a lot like Devin Booker, but Jesse, do we, we have the Monty? Um, there we go. Tried to prep for this yesterday, so we could keep it as normal as possible. So we changed a few things up so we could you know get what we needed in and then allow for media to come in and, and do what you guys have to do. But as far as us, it was a good day, locked in, focused. Um, you know, we've been waiting to play. And so the guys, you know, they're just ready to go. You know, one more drill for me encouraged all kinds of looks, but preparation's been uh, good for us and the focus has been really good. Listen, Monty's the coach, Chris Paul's the coach on the floor. Even though Chris Paul, the emotions inside of him must be bubbling up, a little bit of nerves, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of anticipation. I think despite the fact it's his first NBA Finals game, I expect Chris Paul to handle the situation quite well tomorrow night. I also expect Devin Booker to play very, very well for a variety of reasons. DeAndre Ayton, for me, of course, is an X factor. Uh, Ayton has answered the bell night in and night out in this postseason. Maybe a bit of a hiccup in Game 5, that loss to the Clippers, but... Pretty much each and every night, DeAndre Ayton has answered the bell in this postseason. How will he answer the bell tomorrow night? I think that remains to be seen. My expectations are DeAndre Ayton understood the moment going into the postseason. In fact, I think he took it personally, or I know he did because he said he did, took it personally that people were doubting him and his ability to rise to the occasion and perform in playoff basketball situations. I expect those same reasons uh, to propel DeAndre Ayton to play his best best basketball uh, tomorrow night. So I expect DeAndre Ayton to play very well. The question is, if Giannis is on the court, does Ayton guard him? If he's not on the court, how does that affect uh, the Suns' defensive rotations? We're going to talk to Kellen Olsen about that in just about a half hour. Now, the Suns and Bucks, because they're in different conferences, as you know, they only play twice during the regular season. Uh, even though this was a truncated NBA season, Suns and Bucks met twice. Suns won both games by a single point. They won game one back on February 10th, 125-124. Giannis had a jumper to win the game, and he missed that one in game two, another nail-biter. Suns won that game in overtime. 128-127, Devin Booker, a free throw with 0.3 ticks left as the Suns won that game back on April 19th. Again, 128-127. How big of a factor is Giannis if he plays or if he doesn't play or if he does play, how healthy is he? The Suns had no answer for Giannis. Now, I know Aiton has played well on the other side of the ball offensively against Giannis, but Giannis in those two games uh, averaged 40 points on 60% shooting. So, yeah, uh, top five player in the NBA uh, who wrecked the Suns individually uh, in the two meetings so far this year. Will he play tomorrow night, and how effective will he be? Will he play at all? in the series, and how effective will he be, certainly will go a long way. And I think, you know, when you're making predictions on this series, it's awfully tough to figure out how it's going to go when you don't know if Giannis is going to play. Now, Scott Williams talked about 
his Bulls team losing game one at home and coming back to win the series. You take you back to 1993 when Scott Williams' Bulls team also played the Phoenix Suns. The Suns had home court advantage in that series as well. And the Suns lost game one. And they lost game two at home. And even though they fought back to get that series to six, you know, the Bulls were absolutely in the driver's seat after winning not only the first two games, but the first two games on the road. The Suns in 93 did not protect home court. Now, they went back to Chicago and they took two out of three uh, in the Windy City. But nonetheless, the Bulls took control of that series early. Now, if the Suns do falter in Game 1 tomorrow, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It doesn't matter per se. Series is not over. The Suns are perfectly capable of coming back after losing Game 1. But compared to 1993, you know, I think it's real safe to say that you don't want to drop Games 1 and Games 2 at home here in the 2021 Finals. And a lot of talk, the pressure being on the Suns, that if the Bucks are eventually going to get Giannis back and are still able to win a game in Phoenix, the Bucks are going to be feeling really, really good. So a lot of pressure on the Suns to defend the home court. One game, not the end of the world. Can't drop two games and put yourself down in an 0-2 hole against the Bucks with the prospects of Giannis coming back to play later in the series if, in fact, he's out uh, the first two games. All right, coming up on the rundown, how about a little game of this or that, Jesse? Huh? How about that? How about yeah. a little game? How about a little game of this or that? Let's right go. before 2021 NBA Finals uh, commence. Should be fun. Tim Ring in for Luke Lipinski. gets the rundown. Arizona Sports 987. The home of the Suns run to the championship. 98.7 FM. Arizona Sports Station and the Arizona Sports app. Suns Finals coverage. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Talking NBA Finals on the Rundown. <laughs> All right, 648 on a Monday night. Tim Ring in for Luke Lipinski. It is the Rundown. We are talking Suns Bucks playoff coverage. Just had a real good 45-minute stretch there. Now it's time to lighten the mood a little bit. Speaking of Jesse, real quick before we get into this or that, uh, does the name Jarrett Plummer mean anything to you? Jarrett Plummer. Absolutely not. Okay, it doesn't mean anything to me either, but he's a dude on Twitter. In 2016, five years ago, Jarrett Plummer tweeted, 2021 NBA oh, Finals, Bucks versus yep, Suns. I've seen this. That dude is... Somehow seeing the future because I wouldn't have predicted that. Well, I hope he's not totally seeing it because he's got the Bucks winning Game Seven, one twenty three, one fifteen. But fairly remarkable in the midst of the Suns' decade from hell without even making the playoffs for Jarrett Plummer <laughs> to predict the Suns and the Bucks in twenty twenty one. I know Sports Illustrated did that with the two thousand seventeen Houston Astros a few uh. years prior, but this guy nailed. Both teams in the exact same year. Jared Plummer, good on you, buddy. Tip of the cap from the rundown staff here on a Monday night. Jesse, it's time for this or that. Yes, it is. I will go first, I guess. Ask you the first question. So, Am I supposed to ask you questions? Because that's news to me. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> okay. well, 
Hopefully you can come up with some off the top of your head. All right. Um, yeah, you have to explain to me what the games are. I, I, I thought I did over over text, but uh, <laughs> no, you, all right. Well, you said you'll ask me questions. Okay. That's fine. I'm, I, I can add live. I'll think of some questions okay. for you. Well, all right. So I'm just going to start off the first one. Um, so if the Suns come, you know, if the game's like 98, 97 at the end of the game, uh, you know, one second on the clock, who do you want taking the final shot, Devin Booker or Chris Paul? Well, you know what? That's it's that's an easy question to answer here at the radio station on a Monday night. But the reality is, I mean, first of all, both guys have proven that they can deliver in high leverage situations. I mean, Chris Paul, you just go back to what he did late third, early fourth quarter to close out the Clippers. I, I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, both those guys possess the clutch gene, if you will. For me, Jesse, the answer to that question must be dictated by the flow of the game that has been just played. Uh, you have to look at what kind of rhythm both players are in, who's defending either player, what kind of shooting night they are each having individually. And for me, that's just a field thing. Like if I'm Monty Williams or if I'm coaching that game, I make that decision in a critical moment at a critical time and say our best chance to get that ball in the bucket right now is going to be either in the hands of Chris Paul or Devin Booker. But to kind of just make that decision you know, before the game, you know, listen, I mean, it's 50-50. I mean, they're, they're both capable. So, I mean, and I'm not trying to take the easy way out. I just think that that decision in the final seconds will be dictated by how the game has gone and how each particular player is playing on that given night. All right, now I got one for you. Yes, sir, if you have one off the top of your head. Which bench, the Suns may be led by campaign Cam Johnson, or the Bucks, Bobby Portis is a name that comes to mind. Uh, if he's back on the bench, will have a greater impact in the series and why? I'm going to say Suns, and you brought up the guy that uh, I think is the the biggest bench player in the series. That is Cameron Payne. Mm-hmm. Cameron Payne was great when Devin Booker was out. He kind of saved that series. So yeah, you know what? I'm going to go Suns bench just because of the Cameron Payne factor. All right, Suns bench. Jesse says. All right, what All do right. you got? So currently. Over here on my side, I have the Stanley Cup final on. That's also going on, another championship series. So, if you were a professional athlete, which trophy would you rather win? The Stanley <laughs> Cup or the Larry O'Brien trophy? Both very famous trophies. Well, if I were a player in the NHL, I would choose the Stanley Cup. And if I were a player in the NBA, I would choose the Larry O'Brien. Now, I know where you're going with that, okay. so I will answer your question. I don't think there's any doubt the trophy, the physical trophy that has the most history and the most cachet and the most meaning to a player when they clutch it and they hold it is the Stanley Cup. There's no question about it. The Stanley Cup travels around the country with two full-time caretakers who wear white gloves, Jesse. (laughs) Why don't the players have to wear white gloves? You know, I mean, they get to keep it for, uh, every player gets to keep it for a day. And, you know, it's ended up at the bar and it's ended up at the bottom of Mario Lemieux's pool. So the Stanley (laughs) Cup has a reverence about it where in the NBA, the physical Larry O'Brien trophy, like the actual trophy, is more symbolic. Like, I don't know if the players you know, want to spend a day with it each. And I'm pretty sure the NBA doesn't have two full-time 
<laughs> caretakers of the Larry. I'm sure somebody just grabs it and throws it in a, <laughs> you know, a box I, I feel like, after the finals. I feel like it has gotten a little bit of a, uh, you know increased importance ever since Kawhi Leonard called it the Larry OB. Right. And listen, it's not like the players just discarded. I mean, we've we've seen the pictures of players, you know, caressing it on the plane or in the locker room afterwards. Who could forget Michael Jordan caressing that trophy and hugging it like it was his firstborn uh, after the 1991 finals? So it has meaning in that regard, but I don't think the Larry, when it comes to history and symbolic symbolism, can hold a candle to the actual Stanley Cup trophy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right, Tim, what's your next one for me? What is more stressful? For a fan base, when your hockey team is in a Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals or your basketball team is in a Game 7 of the NBA Finals. I've never had more anxiety than watching a hockey game. There's no doubt about it. It's so much anxiety. Baseball is a second to that, but like just playoff baseball, that is. Um, But gosh, I just have so much anxiety because the the game could change, you know, with the snap of a finger. Whereas in basketball, you know, it's it's back and forth. There's a lot of points scoring. So, no, there's nothing nothing more anxiety-inducing than a Game 7 in the NHL. It is grueling. It's not even fun. No, it's it's not fun. It's not fun. Game 7 of the NBA Finals, you'll be nervous. You'll be a wreck. But it's relatively fun. There's nothing fun about Game 7 of the state. And if your team has the lead... In the Stanley Cup final in a Game 7, you're just looking at the clock, right? You're like, oh, God, yes. get this thing over with. <laughs> and then if your team is down, you're also kind of looking at the clock, going, oh, my God, we're never going to score. We're never going to score. It's over. I mean, that's grueling. It's absolutely grueling. All right, you got one more or you want to hit the break? Uh, I, I actually have two more. All right, you hit me two in a row then. I'll hit you two in a row, and then you can just stop on those two questions. How okay. about that? <laughs> uh, so, all right, so first one's less serious. Last one is very serious. Um First one, Luke and I always somehow bring this show back to pizza. So pizza or the field for an NBA Finals, um, whatever you're eating during the finals. Pizza or the field? Oh, God. Um, I, I'm going to go, uh, you know, for all seven games. Sure. <laughs> all right. I, I'm going to go the field. Okay. Because I, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I actually, I did pizza for game uh, six of the East Finals. I went spinatos, sausage, sun-dried tomatoes. Get a little plug-in for spinatos. Thank you very much. I expect 50 cents off my next pizza. <laughs> 50 cents. Um, but I, you know, listen, I'm, I'm not afraid to go get a little Portillo's for, for an okay. NBA playoff okay. game. I'm not afraid to get a little Chick-fil-A. Okay. Also not afraid to make my own dinner, Jesse. You'll find out when you get older that's really the, the healthy way to go dinner. and the more economical way to go. Make your own dinner at home, kids, if you're listening. All right, what okay. else you got? And the last one is one I can answer, too. All right, so... Who's winning the series, Tim? The Suns or the Bucks, and in how many games? Suns are going to win the series, everybody. Uh, you know, listen, I always joke that if I were 100% right all the time, I would be living in Vegas in a $20 million mansion. Um, so, you know, you don't speak in absolutes. I hate when guys do that. But I believe that the Milwaukee Bucks, with or without Giannis, don't have enough to beat the Suns in a seven-game series. They're going to win some games. You know, they're going to make it tough. Suns aren't going to roll out there and waltz to a series win in four or even five. I mean, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez are going to be a thorn in the Suns' side. 
But I don't. I, the Suns are too deep and they're too good. And I don't think and I'll get into this a little bit later on. As good as the Bucks are statistically defensively in the postseason, I don't think they can do to the Suns' offense and Devin Booker that the Clippers and Pat Beverly did to the Suns' offense and Devin Booker in the Western Conference Finals. I think that Booker and the Suns' offense will be a lot more effective, run a lot more smoothly, and run with all the Pistons pumping uh, in the finals and just be a lot more effective than it was uh, against the L.A. Clippers. All right, still ahead. Suns' path to the finals under criticism by a certain sector of NBA fans, fans that don't live here in Phoenix, obviously. Let's get into that and drive a dagger into anybody who feels the Suns' road to the finals was in any way tainted. It's the Rundown, Arizona Sports, 98.7. The home of the Suns' run to the championship. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns' finals coverage, presented by Michelob Ultra. Talking NBA Finals on the Rundown. All right, 7.03 on a Monday, Monday, July 5th. Hope your holiday weekend was great. Tim Ring on the rundown, pinch hitting for Luke Lipinski, who's pinch hitting for Doug and Wolf, hosting the morning show this week. So happy to be in tonight up until 8 o'clock with Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Uh, getting you ready for Game 1 tomorrow, Suns and Bucks 2021 NBA Finals underway in downtown Phoenix. 6 o'clock start, ABC 15 has the games now in the finals. They shift to the network broadcast. And then, of course, on radio, Arizona Sports 98.7, right here, your home for Suns basketball all season long. And our pregame coverage of Game 1 begins at 5.30. But, of course, the guys will be talking Suns, Bucks, Game 1 all day long right here on your home of the Suns, Arizona Sports 98.7. Now, the Suns seeking their first ever NBA title. They were in the finals in 76, in the finals in 93. The Bucks back in the finals for the first time since 1974. The Bucks do have a title. They won it in 1971 when they swept, Jesse, the Baltimore Bullets. That's right. Boy, you are my on team. it back there. <laughs> uh, they swept the Bullets. Team. You know what was crazy about that Bucks championship team? And believe me, I, I was Two. I don't remember it. No three pointers. Short shorts. Short. Uh, that's true. No live television for a lot of the games, if not all of them. They used to show the games on tape delay. But the Bucks. This is how big it was for them to get that coin flip and get Luol Cinder out of UCLA. The Bucks were only in their third year of existence. They were an expansion team thirty six months prior to winning the championship. But that's how dominant Alcindor was. Came into the league and then won a championship in a minute as the Milwaukee Bucks swept the Baltimore Bullets. And one day after they won the championship in in, uh, 1971, Lou Alcindor changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and the rest is history. I think Kareem went on to win five more titles after forcing his way out of Milwaukee and ending up in a trade with the L.A. Lakers. All right, now, the Suns in the finals for the first time since 1993. The core has never been in the postseason before. Jay Crowder in the finals last year. Chris Paul in the finals for the first time in his career. Devin Booker, an evolving playoff performer, 
here in 2021, learning as he goes and as he ascends to now the NBA Finals, Booker admits today he's learned a whole bunch since these playoffs began. Jess? I mean, we took a long road trip at the end of the season. That Even through that game, I think we went like three and two on the road trip. It was five games. It was like Philly, Boston. Um, forgot it was, it was a loaded lineup, and they were all competitive games. And we were like, this is how it's going to be at, at some level. Then we experienced the Lakers series. And we're like, I'm glad we went through that. I'm glad we had those two losses because you learned so much in that time. Obviously, you never want to lose, but, you know, the level of focus that we, we bring back into the arena – in the gym the next day it's not more talking about it it's like a demeanor and energy that you can feel throughout everybody and having going through that that experience you know shaped us for the next series in Denver and then seeing the Clippers and dropping two games to them also so just understanding that's a series and and it's a long series and you're gonna have to play you're gonna have to play hard win lose or draw you know Somebody said it before the playoffs started, like, when you win a game, you feel like you can't lose again. When you lose, you feel like you can't win again. And and, that, and that's the playoffs where people get too high, people get too low. you hearing everybody talking from every different angle, but, you know, you have to understand where you're trying to go and, and what we're trying to do. Yeah, and I hope that the Suns and that young core and Devin Booker and even their their old guard, like Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, I, I hope the Suns learned a valuable lesson uh, from Game 5 against the Clippers, when, you know, as the series played out and we saw the Suns boat race them in Game 6 in L.A., uh, the Suns were clearly the better team. And the only reason that series did not end in five games is that the Suns did not show up and play with an edge or a desperation in Game 5. The Clippers did. And when that happens in the playoffs, you're going to get beat. And the Suns put themselves in a position where... You know, they had to go on the road and win a game six. Now, all's well that ends well. They did. You know, but if the Clippers would have gotten that game, it goes to a game seven, and then, of course, anything can happen. And it all goes back to, you know, the chance to, you know, kill a team in game five, and the Suns didn't do it. So you hope, and there's, listen, there's no, there's no guarantee that's not going to happen again because it is human nature. Uh, but if the Suns get up 2 0, go to Milwaukee. And come with an edge as if you're down 0-2. Don't just, don't just give them that Game 3 win that teams always seem to do when they have a 2-0 series lead. And if you get get up 3-1 and you got a chance to nail them at home, nail them. Don't let them breathe. And particularly this Bucks series, you know, if Giannis is trying to get better and play himself back onto the court, the longer the series goes, the better chance there is of that happening. And plus, after the first two games, which are every other night, then the series kind of extends a bit. And there are two games, or excuse me, two days before each game. So there's more time for Giannis to rest if he's trying, in fact, to get back on the court with that knee. And again, I, I would love to give you inside information about the status of Giannis, but I don't think Giannis knows. I don't think the Bucks know. Uh, there's a good chance... He does not play tomorrow or in game two, but who's to say it's not a Willis Reed type deal where he's feeling good enough at game time to give it a go. Of course, the the follow-up question will, how effective will he be? Hey, sit back. We're all going to find out. We're we're all going to find out. 
But it's interesting for the Suns to think about defensive matchups in this series. I mean, the Bucks are a way different team if Giannis is on the court. You know, if they're not, they become much more perimeter-oriented with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and even Brooke Lopez, who's become a very competent, I guess is the word, three-point shooter. But without that monster patrolling the paint, the Bucks are just a different team to defend. You know, schematically speaking, Monty Williams almost, in an odd way, has to have two different game plans. The Giannis game plan and the no Giannis game plan. Because the Bucks are going to be much, I don't say more difficult either way, but they're going to be much different to defend if Giannis is on the court or if he isn't. You know? And if you're a Suns fan, I mean, yeah, you could say we want to face them with Giannis and beat them at their best, but I, I don't think anybody can say the Bucks are better without Giannis. I mean, that's ridiculous. You can't say that. They, they can find other ways to beat you. Holiday and Middleton and Lopez are more than capable of beating you if you don't do what you're supposed to do. But don't tell me the Bucks are, oh, they're, they're, they're just as good without Giannis. They're just as formidable. No, they're not. They're not. So if Giannis is not on the court for games one and two, I, I, I agree with some stuff the guys were saying earlier. I, I agree with what Jared Greenberg was saying from TNT. That if Giannis is not on the court, the Suns really got to take care of business in games one and game two. You know, I don't think there's any question about it. Now, the question is, schematically, what are they going to do against the Bucks if Giannis is on the court with DeAndre Ayton? And what are they going to do if Giannis is not on the court when you start talking about defensive matchups? Coming up, Kellen Olsen. Our basketball insider is going to join us. We're going to talk about that, among other aspects and things to watch as the Bucks and Suns get going. Game one of the NBA Finals tomorrow night, downtown Phoenix, 6 o'clock. Tim Ringin for Luke Lipinski. It's the Rundown, Arizona Sports, 98.7. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station and the home of the Suns. Home of the Suns. We're checking in with Suns nerd Kellen Olsen on the Rundown. All right, 717, back on a Monday night, Monday, July 5th. It is the eve of Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Suns, a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Milwaukee Bucks. It'll be interesting to see if that line moves now because Giannis has just been listed as doubtful on the official injury report uh, for game one of the finals. The injury report just coming down uh, a few minutes ago. One of the first to tweet that out. Our basketball insider, Kellen Olson. Kellen, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm sticking with basketball insider. I don't like basketball nerd. I think that, I don't, I don't like that. I, 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 I think it's mean. <laughs> hey, it, it's completely fine, Tim. I was Are you sure? Okay. And, and the reason I, I now regret approving it not because of what it insinuates i'm completely fine i am a nerd about the suns but (laughs) a lot of people take issue with it which i'm very surprised to hear i know it's like a you picture a bully stuffing someone in a locker room but in a a locker but i'm i'm good uh if you've never seen kellen olsen in person ain't nobody stuffing him in a locker all right the dude the, the, the dude could give the suns seven solid minutes at the four Tomorrow night, if they need him. Oof, 
Don't know about that. All right. Well, <laughs> Kellen, listen, the, the Giannis news, it was actually the, it was going to be my first question anyway, because when you cover a series the way you've covered a series or a team, you, you hear things. Um, and some stuff is not reported by the team, but you know, and, and some stuff is not strong enough to report yourself. But what are you what what are you kind of hearing about Giannis and his availability for not only game one but the series? Yeah, just that this is a the type of injury that if we're in January, we're talking about what at least like two to three weeks he's taking off. It's one of those where the the team will phrase it as he will be reevaluated in fourteen days or whatever. Okay. I think we're talking about that kind of injury. Um and to to see his status being as doubtful and not out, I think that does mean something to a certain extent. And those things do matter. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm expecting him to play at some point. Now the question is, are we going to see another round of what we saw with Anthony Davis, where he goes out there clearly not mobile, clearly shouldn't be out there, and then they take him out? Or are we going to see a Giannis that is actually impactful in some ways? Because, I, I mean, man, you talk about the effect that it ha- it's going to have on his game if his mobility is compromised at all. That that is what he has. If he has to, if he doesn't have his burst off the dribble and he's got to settle for jumpers, that that's a recipe for disaster for Milwaukee. So it, it it means everything to this series, obviously. Yeah, and if you're the Bucks and you're Giannis, I mean, it's the NBA Finals. So I mean, at some point, you, you I mean, if you can, if you think you can try to give it a go, given the stakes, they, they're. It's going to be a lot like Anthony Davis. Like they gave it a go. Obviously, that didn't work. But Kellen, if you're if you're Monty Williams, I talked about this going into the last break. In terms of how to defend the Bucks, you almost have to prior to Game One have a Giannis game plan and a no Giannis game plan. Would you say that's accurate for the Suns defensively? Yeah, it's always accurate with this type of situation, but I think what happens if Giannis is out is just there's there's room to breathe a bit for the Suns on both ends of the floor. I think that they have – the thing about the Suns that's been so great for them is it's just a really well-balanced starting five, right? I know Jay Crowder and Mikel Bridges aren't necessarily offensive powerhouses by any means, and the same goes for Devin Booker on defense, but those are guys who are – good on those respective ends and, and know what to do and are capable there. And the Bucks have the same exact type of team. You look up and down, especially defensively, Lopez, Tucker, Antetokounmpo, Middleton, Holiday. Those are five really good defensive players. So if you take Giannis out of there, it just makes them, it makes them weaker in a lot of different ways, but also just doesn't really – it provides someone who can be a weakness for the team now. And I think you look at that team – I guess you talk about P.J. Tucker being a weakness offensively, but he's going to shoot from the corner, so, mm-hmm. so he's going to affect the game there still. Um, it takes two very well-balanced teams and affects that a little bit. Can you see a situation where, on the other side of the ball, Drew Holiday is not guarding Chris Paul? Like To me, I, just, I look at that matchup as a natural one uh, for, for Mike Budenholzer to put Drew Holiday, who's you know first-team all-defensive team in the NBA, on Chris Paul – and then you take your chances with Middleton and P.J. Tucker maybe sharing some time against Booker. How do you see that from the Bucks side? Yeah, I think we'll see Holiday start on Paul, and then he'll make his way to Booker when those minutes are there. The Suns will play. They'll bring out uh, Chris Paul around the six, seven-minute mark uh, of the first quarter, and that's when we'll probably see Holiday uh, move over to Booker. But I think this is, um, to your point, 
we haven't seen a team personnel-wise that's had this type of defensive ability um, all the way up and down. I, I think obviously on the ball, you look at Middleton, Tucker, and Holiday for, for Booker, and then more so just Holiday um, for Paul. But uh, Brooke Lopez back there is just one of the best backline centers in the mm-hmm. league, just in terms of being in his right spot on pick and roll coverage, being able to kind of move with the ball and, and block a couple shots if he needs to. Um, he's always kind of been underrated there in his career, made an all defense team uh, two years ago, last year, I believe, one of those. And it's just a really well-balanced attack that they have to throw at them uh, defensively. And Holiday, I think, is the swing player in the series for me. I know Giannis's health is a really big deal, but I think if, if Drew is able to make a big impact defensively and then obviously offensively as a driver where I believe he's going to be guarded by Devin Booker, uh, it's a rapidly different series if he looks the way he did in the last two games of the Atlanta series. Taking nothing away from Holiday, who, as I mentioned, is his first-team All-NBA d- defensive team. I mean, he's great. He's one of the best in the game. P.J. Tucker, we know from his time here, is a dog defensively. He will get after you. But, Kellen, you know, after watching what Devin Booker went through for six games with Patrick Beverly, I, as good as those Bucks defenders are, I think personally that Devin Booker is going to have an easier time getting in rhythm, getting to his spots, and getting his shots against no matter who the Bucks throw at him than he did against Patrick Beverly, who lived in his kitchen for 48 minutes a night for six games. Yeah, basketball is a really funny sport in that way in terms of individual matchups where uh, I watched back the games that Phoenix played against Milwaukee, and Chris Middleton did a really good job defending Booker when he was on him, but he was forcing Book into some difficult shots, and they were shots that Devin was just hitting. And, and there's this weird thing where <laughs> Beverly might not have been, like you're watching it, might not have been doing as good of a job as Middleton was in terms of denying the shots, but he had a way of making Booker uncomfortable. And you don't really see that from Middleton as much. So I think that's where I would agree with you for sure. But in terms of options, I think there isn't really a comparable team out there. And then and then uh, PJ, I mean, knows knows all his moves, right, and is going to – get that chest bump into him and make him earn it off the dribble. And, and then Drew is self-explanatory. It's going to be – it's a really fun series for a lot of different reasons, and that might be at the top for me just to see how Book overcomes that type of a defensive trio that they're going to throw at him. Two other aspects to talk about visiting with our basketball insider, Kellen Olson, and I don't think this has really been broken down throughout the day here, so I'm glad I'm getting a chance to ask you. Kellen, you know, listen, I, I, I when, when the media talk about – coaching and coaching adjustments I always kind of like hey let's you know give give, let's not act like the experts here but from where you sit as a guy who's covered this sport talk to me about the coaching matchup who may have the edge and then also talk to me about the bench matchup who has the edge yeah those are the two parts of the series um Tim where I look at it and say I think if Giannis was 100% fully healthy, I'd have the Suns in seven, but very closely. And two reasons I would lean that way is the coaching edge uh, and the bench edge. I think Monty has done a terrific job this postseason in terms of not only making adjustments, but just having multiple game plans in there. And an important thing with coaching is the coaches make those game plans. Sometimes the execution isn't there. Sometimes it just doesn't. It isn't clear exactly what they're doing. And most of the time that's on how the players respond to the coaching and the Suns respond to Monty so well, whereas Budenholzer has always had these question marks lifted about him and, and they continue to come up, and you have to feel like Monty has the edge there. And then uh, depth-wise, it's not really close. Milwaukee is a team that had to make that 
P.J. Tucker trade because the D.J. Augustine play wasn't really working out for them. They lost Dante DiVincenzo for the season, who's a big part of what they do and would have been starting for them had it not been uh, for the injury and would have been a much more natural matchup for them when we're talking about how they guard and everything. So I think that you look at the cams, uh, Jay Crowder, Mikel, Torrey Craig, Dario, I, I think that the depth is definitely on, on the Sun side, and it's a big reason why I think uh, they'll win the series. Yeah, so that was my last question. You know, I mean, I guess, is there a with Giannis and without Giannis prediction, or how do, how do you see it going, Kellen? I mean, I, I, I said myself, I, I, I think Suns in six or seven. I, I give a lot of credit to, to Holiday and Middleton and Brooke Lopez, and certainly when you, if Giannis is out there, you know, he's, he's Giannis. Uh, but to me, I just think the Suns are a better team, and I don't, I don't see the, I don't see the Bucks taking him down in a seven-game series. What say you? Yeah, I agree. I, I have the Suns in six, and I think a big reason for that is uh, you look at the semifinals, the Western Conference semifinals. I had so much confidence the Suns were going to win that series because DeAndre just did so well defending Jokic in the regular season. And look, you don't know how much is going to translate in the postseason, but at least some of it will. And what we saw from his fields, for his spots, and everything, he was there. That's the same deal with DeAndre and on Giannis, and he's defended him really well this season, has a really great feel, and is just athletically able to match Giannis in a way where almost no one else in the league is capable of. So even if Giannis comes back, they have the perfect piece to throw at him. And on top of all the other things that we just kind of sort of just talked about, I think Book's going to have a big series. I think uh, it'll be the first championship here. I'll say it. All right, there you go. Kellen Olson, our basketball insider. Kellen, thanks so much for taking the time here on the eve of Game 1 of the NBA Finals. We'll check in with you again tomorrow, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. All right, you got it. Kellen Olson visiting with us for a few uh, minutes here. All right, final 32 minutes of the rundown tonight. We're going to finish up talking about the Suns, of course, and the Bucks uh, coming up in just about 15 minutes. Bucks, longtime TV play-by-play guy Jim Paskey is going to join us. Jim has not quite been at it as long as Al McCoy, but he's been at it for a really, really long time, over three decades uh, behind the mic for the Bucks. We're going to check in with him. And also, final thoughts from me on why the Bucks defense is going to have a whole bunch of problems in Game 1 and in this series. It's the rundown. Tim Ring in for Luke Lipinski, Arizona Sports, 98.7. The home of the Suns run to the championship. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns Finals coverage, presented by Michelob Ultra. Talking NBA Finals on the Rundown. All right, 7.32 on a Monday night. Tim Ring back in for Luke Lipinski. It is the Rundown, talking Suns Bucks, of course. What else would we be? Jesse Morrison behind the glass doing a good job tonight. Doing a great job, Jesse. Excuse me. Should not use the adjective good. You're doing Thank a great you. you're Thank doing a, you. you're doing a great job. Um tip off tomorrow night, six o'clock. Our coverage begins here on ninety eight seven at five thirty. Television wise, the once again the finals now shift to ABC, the network tomorrow night, game one. Uh, ABC fifteen six o'clock start for the Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. Interesting note, and this has nothing to do with the finals per se, but there are three U.S. Olympians playing in the NBA finals: Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. If these finals go seven games, and they may very well, Game Seven set for July twenty second. 
Team USA's first game in Tokyo is July 25th. So those three players, Jerry Colangelo, is going to whisk them off, no doubt, on a private jet or whatever, uh, to get them to Tokyo in time to try to play that game against France. But Colangelo is already on record saying, listen, they might not be ready to go. So Team USA, who will probably be fine against France without those team uh, without those three players, but they may be a shorthanded team uh, opening up Olympic play uh, if this NBA Finals goes uh, seven games. Will it go six? Will it go seven? Could it go five if Giannis is not going to play? You're going to hear a lot of predictions over the next 24 hours for sure, and even as these series evolves. And, you know, Kellen Olsen, who just joined us last segment, is right. I mean, Giannis is such an X factor uh, that it's hard to make any educated predictions about how this thing is going to go games-wise, how long the series will go games-wise. If you don't know if Giannis is going to play or if he's going to play and be ineffective or if he's just not going to play at all. One thing I can tell you, and I believe this from the bottom of my heart, I know the Milwaukee Bucks team defensively are the best defense in the playoffs. I don't care. Stats in this case do not matter to me. And I touched on it with Kellen talking about the individual Booker and Pat Beverly matchup we saw in the Western Conference Finals. I'm here to tell you right now, the Los Angeles Clippers dogged the Suns every second of every possession from Game 2 until late third quarter of Game 6. They did not let the Suns breathe. They closed out on every shooter with the ferocity that the Suns had not seen, not only in the playoffs before, but in the entire regular season. From an individual standpoint, Pat Beverly absolutely disrupted Devin Booker like I have not seen Devin Booker get disruptive in a, disrupted in a real long time. As much of a jerk Beverly was at the end of Game 6, you can't take away one of the best individual defenders in the league did what he wanted to do, and that was get Devin Booker off his game. Nothing was easy for Devin Booker in that series. Now, Booker still delivered, all right, took it to the hole in Game 6, even had a 30-plus point total in the Game 5 loss. But make no mistake, Pat Bev got Devin Booker out of his game in the Western Conference Finals. As good as P.J. Tucker and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday can be defensively, they cannot or will not do that to Devin Booker in the NBA Finals. I promise you that. Devin Booker, listen, he might not have a three-point barrage with nobody in his face like he did against the Lakers, but Devin Booker is going to have a much more comfortable NBA Finals than he did a Western Conference Finals, and I think that's going to go a long way in the Suns' offense running a lot more efficiently in the finals than it did in the conference finals. I don't believe the Bucks, no matter what the stats say, have what it takes from a dogged mindset and intensity to do to the Suns' offense what the Clippers did. I expect Chris Paul, who's now back in rhythm and getting healthier, getting his win back and shot back, campaign's ankles getting better, Camp Johnson 
is over the food poisoning, we presume. He's supposed to be back 100% tomorrow night. Jay Crowder found his shot in game six. six. Thank the Lord. And I also think when the Suns offense is running the way it's supposed to, I think it makes things a lot easier on Mikkel Bridges. And I just think the Milwaukee Bucks are going to find a very potent and efficient Suns offense staring them in their faces from the opening tip of game one on. Now the Bucks can still hang with the Suns because the Bucks, with or without Giannis, have guys that can put the ball in the bucket. Drew Holiday can score. Chris Middleton can score. Brooke Lopez can score. Okay, so when I say the Suns' offense is going to roll, it doesn't mean the Suns are going to roll. And that's why I find humor in the fact that they're the two best defensive teams in the playoffs, and I know you can never compare regular season basketball to playoff basketball when it comes to defensive intensity. But when you look at game one played between these two teams on February 10th, the Suns win it 125-124. Giannis a shot at the buzzer to win it. Doesn't make it. 125-124. Game two. Yes, it went to overtime, but still, Suns win it 128-127. Devin Booker, a free throw to win it with 0.3 to play. Now, I know defensive intensity will be higher in the NBA Finals than it was during those regular season games, but don't expect games in the 90s and 80s. Uh, the Suns are going to put the ball in the bucket. I think the Bucks will, too. You know, and if DeAndre Ayton continues to play the way he played in these first three series, with or without Giannis, the, the Suns' offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders. And I don't think there's anything the Bucks can do about it, regardless of the fact that Holiday and Tucker are fantastic defenders. And and I think that Aiton, go ahead, Jess. Yep. I think that Aiton can be this just absolute X factor in this series because Brooke Lopez is no match for DeAndre Aiton, and if they don't have Giannis and and Brooke Lopez is the per, is the player that Aiton is guarding, forget about it. This this series is ending in five. Well, well you know, listen. Can 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 DeAndre Aiton take advantage of that matchup down low? Absolutely. But Brooke Lopez then can take advantage of that matchup on the perimeter, too. Now, Lopez, listen, he's not the physical specimen that Aiton is, uh, but he's a he's a savvy veteran basketball player. Um, do I do I agree with what you're saying? Yeah, DeAndre Aiton should be able to take advantage of that matchup, but don't think that there are going to be times when Brooke Lopez doesn't take advantage of DeAndre Aiton because he's a savvy, darn good basketball player who knows where to be at the right place and the right time. And also, you know, if Aiton if drags ass getting out there on the perimeter, you know, closing out on Lopez, Lopez is going to make him pay. You know, but listen, just to, to broaden what you were saying, the individual matchups are fascinating. I mean, Drew Holiday and Chris Paul is a fantastic matchup. I mean, you're talking about one of the best offensive point guards in the league and one of the best defensive point guards in the league. And both those guys are not too shabby on the other side of the ball. You know, Chris Paul's gotten plenty of votes for all defensive teams in his career. And Drew Holiday, when his team needs him to score, puts the ball in the bucket. 
You know, when he doesn't score, you know, he's got, listen, he's a point guard. He distributes. I mean, Chris Middleton's hitting his shots and Giannis is going for 45. You know, Drew Holiday's offensive numbers may suffer for that. But I think what we saw as they closed out the Bucks, that Drew Holiday can get his. He can get to the rack and, and finish, and he can knock down a three. So, you know, with or without Giannis, I mean, that's, the, the, Bucks are, the Bucks are formidable. I mean, they're just not as good without Giannis. That's why if Giannis doesn't play, I still don't think it's going to be Suns in four or five. I just don't. The Bucks are going to win a couple games. You hope they don't win three and the thing goes to seven games. You know, you want to stay out of that situation. And, man, if Giannis is not on the court, man, get those two games at home. It's not the end of the world if you drop one of them, but, man, take advantage and go up 2-0. Put the Bucks in a position where they have to beat you four out of five to win the series. And if that's the case, good luck. Good luck. When we come back, you heard from our Suns insider, Kellen Olson. Coming up, let's go behind the enemy lines. Someone inside the Bucks organization, their play-by-play guy, Jim Paschke. Great interview with Pickley and Murata earlier today. We'll hear that and more coming up. It's the Rutgers. Suns run to the championship. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports App. Suns Finals coverage, presented by Michelob Ultra. Talking NBA Finals on the Rundown. Yeah, indeed we are. Tim in for Luke Lipinski. Final segment here on the Rundown, 747 on a Monday night. Hope you all had a great 4th of July weekend. And now everybody's kind of dialed in now. For game one tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, tip, Suns and Bucks. Now, in this city, everybody knows about Al McCoy. 49 years behind the mic. Over in Milwaukee, they have a guy not quite as long, but he's been on the Bucks play-by-play on the TV side for 35 years. His name is Jim Paschke. He knows the organization through thick and thin, all the highs, all the lows. Good perspective on the Milwaukee side on what it means to the Bucks what it means to the fan base, and what it's going to take for the Bucks to knock off the Suns in the finals. Jim Paschke on with Bickley and Murata earlier today. What do you sense is going on with Giannis? It would be a shame if he couldn't contribute or play in this series. And I just mean that from a competitive drama standpoint. What do you think about about his eligibility or his status? Well, I don't have any inside information. As you know, with COVID, we don't have access, uh, normal access uh, that we used to have, so I don't even have an inkling. But I do know that historically Giannis uh, has been a very quick healer. Uh, he bounces back quicker than any player that I've ever been around. So uh, you never know with him. I mean, he could be able to go, but he has to be cleared. They won't let him play if there's any chance for further injury, of course. So uh, we'll just have to see. But that's the biggest point of intrigue right now as we get set for Game 1 tomorrow. How surprised were you, Jim, that when Giannis went down with an injury that looked really gruesome in real time, uh, and and you know, how, how surprised were you that the Bucks were able to get past the Hawks without the services of Giannis in that series? Well, this is a good basketball team. It's a very good basketball team, and they have won without Giannis in the past. Uh, they have to change how they play. Um, you know, it's it's fascinating to me. They they beat Atlanta twice without Giannis out of Decumbo, and they did it. Uh, very systematically, they, they went into Brook Lopez, they pounded the paint, they used their size, and when 
we talk about size that Milwaukee has, it's across the board. It's not just Giannis or Brooke Lopez. Drew Holiday has good size in the backcourt, and Chris Middleton has good size at his position, mm-hmm. B.J. Tucker. So they were able to utilize that size maybe a little more even than uh, they do normally. So that's what I saw. It, it didn't surprise me that they were able to uh, uh, bear down. When this team, when the Bucks lock in, they're an excellent basketball team. What is the mood like in Milwaukee surrounding this team? We've seen some of the look-ins at the people gathering around the arena and watching it on a big screen. What's what's the vibe like there? Oh, it's phenomenal. Uh, for those who don't know, this time of the summer is when Milwaukee would be hosting Summer Fest. It would be ending right about now. That's the world's largest music festival, and so. Uh, People in Wisconsin and around the region are used to coming to Milwaukee at this time of the year and, and by the hundred thousands per day. And uh, so, you know, they've just taken to the bucks in the absence of Summerfest due to COVID. And uh, we've had 15 to 18,000 people in the Deer District every night. I've been out there each night. The vibe has been phenomenal. Um, it's really been terrific. And, you know, they could have over 20,000 people for the finals outside the building and another sixteen or 17,000 inside the building. Wow. So uh, it, it's been quite a, quite a thing here, and, and people have shown very well, I think, and they, they've shown the world uh, how much Milwaukeeans and Wisconsinites love basketball. I think we could try something similar here in Phoenix, Jim, but we'd have a lot of people melting. So I, I don't know if that's a good idea here in Phoenix. <laughs> Well, yeah, that is uh, that, that. That's true. I mean, Milwaukee has a very temperate yeah. summer climate. You know, it's getting warmer, it seems. But uh, uh, you know, it, it's been great, great weather here for this, and uh, the fans have really taken to it. And it, it's been, it's the talk of the town, talk of the yeah. state. It's just so exciting right now, and and the Brewers are playing well, so everybody's happy in Wisconsin in terms of sports at the moment. Yeah, Jim Paschke, uh, Bucks play-by-play announcer for television, our guest here on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line. Uh, the Bucks are a team, as you well know, that has been very close to a championship. They've, they've played at championship level for the last two or three seasons. This year they make it to the finals after getting bounced in the second round the last couple of years. In, in your estimation, Jim, what, what is the biggest difference with this year's team as opposed to those last two? Well, championship level in the regular season is an entirely different thing, as you know, uh, than championship basketball in the postseason. Mm-hmm. The game changes the tempo changes, possessions are lower, uh, it's a half-court game, all of that. But to answer your question, I think it's just the plugging-in ability uh, mentally that the team has learned over the last two seasons. This has been a great regular season basketball team. Uh, two years ago, they were up 2 nothing in the conference finals to Toronto and lost the next four games. That was a bitter lesson. Uh, last year, they were bounced out of the bubble in the second round by Miami, that was very difficult because they had much higher aspirations. So I think they are growing in terms of the mental toughness and perseverance and focus that you need to win a championship. That's the greatest difference I've seen. And uh, this year has set up very well for them in the East. They did have a very difficult seven-game series with Brooklyn, but they prevailed, and um, they have shown – that they can lock in. And there have been games where they have not locked in and they haven't looked very good. So it's been a bumpy ride. They haven't made it easy, but here they are in the finals and we'll see what happens against a very, very good Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Uh, Defensively, how good can the Bucks be with a a marginalized Giannis? Uh, uh, What do you feel about the team's depth as it pertains to that? 
Well, they're a good defensive team uh, no matter what the situation. They've been one of the best defensive teams in the league for the last three seasons now. Uh, that's the hallmark of this basketball team is the defense, and uh, they're pretty solid no matter who's on the court. Um, I can't really put a percentage on Giannis and, and what he would bring defensively, but his presence on that end of the floor, uh, if he's at 20%, he is going to be a presence on the defensive end. So if he's at 70 or 80%, it's significant. I mean, he has that kind of defensive presence. And when you team him up with uh, – we, we just have great defensive players. Brooke Lopez is outstanding. Drew Holiday – First team all defense along with Giannis. Chris Middleton is an excellent defender. P.J. Tucker is as physical as they come. So, uh, you know, that's a very, very strong part of this basketball team, and I don't expect that to be diminished all that much no matter who plays. Jim Paschke, our guest here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's hard to believe that Giannis has been in the league for eight years, came in in 2013 as a 19-year-old that uh, not a lot of people knew about coming out of Greece and, and didn't have uh, you know st- superstardom written all over him from from the beginning. And, and as somebody who has seen his entire career, Jim, do you remember the, the, the moment where you had your Giannis moment, like, uh-oh, he's got superstar written all over him? Well, there were a few of those. I mean, it was a slow evolution in the beginning. He mm-hmm. came in, as you said, he was 18 when he got to Milwaukee, 19 when he finished his first season. And uh, he was, I won't say he was scrawny, but he was much, much smaller uh, than he is today. Uh, you know, the first year, the Bucks won 15 games. We didn't see a lot out of Giannis that year. The second year, a little more. And in the third year is when I started to see the body changing. And I had watched him uh, focus every single day in practice. He was a sponge when it came to learning the game. Uh, when he got through asking everybody on the Bucks basketball staff who he should watch on YouTube and, and learn from, he came to me even and asked me. That's how much he wanted to learn the game. So I started to see it in the third year. And, you know, the play that there's one play that stands out. He was in New York and he got a rebound, dribbled up uh, all the way up the court. In midcourt, he, he dribbled behind his back and kept going and jammed it. So, uh, you know, you're going, wow, if a guy can do that, uh, he's going to be pretty good. And it really took off from there. Yeah. Uh, that's one play that I remember. But, uh, yeah, he's just had steady progress, and he's such a student of the game and such a hard worker that uh, this really isn't surprising. I mean, it's surprising when you look at his body back when he first got to the league and all of that because you don't know what a player can do. But when – you watch him every day and you talk to him and you see his focus. He was all laughs and giggles when he got here, and now he has a game face on almost all the time when it comes to practice and games. Uh, so I'm not surprised by his growth, and it's been just wonderful to watch. Jim, thank you so much for uh, joining us again. Congratulations on a great career, and uh, enjoy the finals. I will do that. I will be in Phoenix for games one and two, so I'm looking forward to getting back to the Valley. Uh, you know, the Bucks haven't had a great uh, amount of success in the Valley. They won the first game I, I broadcast 35 years ago, and I, what was it, 24, 25 years in a row, they didn't win out there. So wow, That's uh, true. I, I don't know if people are remembering that. I won't tell anybody here that, but uh, <laughs> that, that has been a tough place for the Bucks to win. And, uh, you know, from this side of things, uh, everyone is hoping that changes. But thanks for having me on, and uh, enjoy the playoffs from your point of view, too. That's Buck's long-time TV voice, Jim Paschke, joining uh, Vince and Dan earlier today, giving us the Milwaukee perspective as the NBA Finals is set to open. I mean, boy, Jesse, I mean, I, I've said all I've had to say, all I could say. 
I know the guy's got to fill about 12 hours of programming tomorrow, so plenty of pregame stuff. But I'm at the point now where, like, let's tip that sucker off. And the arena's uh, already decorated. They just posted Yeah. It. You know what? Listen, 6 o'clock tip, 5.30 coverage, Arizona Sports 98.7, TV, ABC 15. I'll see you after the game for postgame coverage on ABC 15. Jess, great job uh, tonight. Appreciate it, Tim Ring, filling in for Luke Lipinski. I had a lot more to get to, but bop, we're out of time. All right, that'll do it for me. Enjoy the rest of your night, everybody, and good luck, Suns, in game one of the finals tomorrow.